Green Deal emerged in 2019 as a political project to make the EU climate neutral by 2050, something which has since then been a green gun this past year. While the left welcomed the idea of transition to green energy and climate neutrality, many warned that the working class would be left behind with the capitalist model. A number of left-wing thinkers have argued that dealing with climate crisis is actually inseparable from dismantling of the capitalist system of production. Copenhagen went one step further, declaring itself to be climate neutral by 2025, following their more radical adjustments. Ulrich Kohl, the former Copenhagen councillor, working with the city's sustainability transition, are with us today to give his view on the experience and challenges from Copenhagen. How can they be translated to a broader or even global targets of carbon neutrality? And how can we achieve a socially just transition to carbon neutrality on a global scale? This podcast is a segment of the online debate organized by the Danish DEO and the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung. For the full event, follow the link within the description to the DEO YouTube channel. Enjoy! Good evening, everybody, and uh, thanks uh, very much to Deo and also Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung uh, for inviting me. Uh, I'm uh, working on a, a project with the Institute for Urban Research in, uh, at Malmö University, as you said, Rasmus, and uh, with the Roskilde University to empower local uh, energy activists. Um, uh, and we are working uh, partly in, uh, in uh, Denmark and partly in uh, Southeast Europe. And uh, actually, I'm joining you uh, tonight from uh, a small village in Croatia. Um, and uh, this uh, village, Trpanje, is situated between some mountains. So there might be some problems uh, with the connection. If there is, uh, we have a plan B, but I apologize on forehand. Yes, my, uh, I'm um, uh, educated as an urban planner, uh, and I have a background as an organizer in grassroots movement and the trade union movement, and also in my uh, political party, the Red Green Alliance. Um, and uh, in um, uh, Copenhagen is uh, a stronghold for the Red Green Alliance in Denmark, and um, Copenhagen is interesting, maybe in a wider context than just Denmark, because um, Copenhagen has a very ambitious uh, climate and energy um, uh, policy. Uh, Copenhagen wants to be the first carbon neutral capital in the world by 2025. And I have the privilege to work uh, with my party on some of these uh, issues. And I've also been part of the board of one of the uh, city's uh, energy uh, companies. Um, and actually, at the moment, there are many um, uh, very, very interesting uh, things going on at grassroots level. Uh, right now, I'm in Croatia because there's a gathering of uh, energy activists from all along the Adriatic coast, uh, Mediterranean communities, small and big, who are um, aiming to become uh, energy independent, to create their own uh, solar farms, uh, windmills, etc., uh, to be all ordered to uh, both take over control of uh, their own uh, energy situation, but also to create uh, jobs, uh, to create a better way of uh, treating Mother Nature, 
um, and uh, to create hope for the young people and the kids uh, who are, as in many uh, peripheral areas of Europe, are leaving uh, and migrating towards the bigger cities or towards uh, uh, other countries. So there's a lot of uh, very interesting and inspiring things going on. And right now I'm at a conference here at a gathering, uh, but uh, thanks to uh, the Zoom technology, we are still uh, in the same room somehow. Yes, I, th I think our starting point is that the uh, climate emergency is, is very, very real and very urgent and that um, the good things we do uh, tomorrow, uh, we will benefit from them uh, for the rest of our lives and the uh, good things that we don't do tomorrow, um, and not talking about the bad things that we continue doing, uh, will come back and haunt us, uh, not just for the rest of our lives, but for generations to come. Um, and that's why I think this discussion is uh, very, very important. Um, changing the, the climate emergency is, uh, as uh, many crises are, also uh, an opportunity to fundamentally change our relationship uh, as people towards nature, our surroundings, uh, but also importantly, uh, the relationship between us as humans to create a society that's more uh, uh, based on solidarity, based on equality, uh, based on respect with um, better uh, opportunities to live a beautiful life. Um, I think that um, uh, now we're talking about uh, one element in this major uh, change for humankind and for our societies. Uh, and this point is about how we produce the energy that we use. But of course, this is one element. There are other things that are also uh, important. The way we live, our buildings, the way we move ourselves and our goods, the way we trade, not the least, uh, in the world. All these things are important elements, but tonight we will we'll focus on um, the energy that we all consume, um, that is um, a ma the major source of the, uh, of the carbon emissions that are destroying our climate. It's not a question of whether it will destroy our climate. That, that has already happened. We have passed that point. The question is, what are the things we can do now to handle uh, the, the, the catastrophe that is unfolding. So um, I think that um, I'd like to start uh, from with a little story from where I grew up. I grew up in the north of Denmark in a rural community um, uh, in called, uh, a place called Vensusl, a very traditional and conservative place. And uh, I was living on a farm and I remember the first windmill uh, coming up and um, it was, uh, there was an experimental school for young adults uh, called the uh, Milieu School, the environmental school. And the people uh, who uh, went to the school were not popular in the community. Uh, they looked different. Um, a lot of people thought that, uh, a lot of people in the community thought that uh, their ideas of another way of agriculture with using less pesticide, etc., uh, were some kind of uh, an insult uh, to the traditional way of life. And uh, when they built 
the first windmill in the area that was kind of, it, this windmill became like the symbol of everything that was wrong with these people. And I remember sitting in the bus um, and it was this kind of, you know, rural bus. You don't have bus stops. You just tell the driver, please set, uh, stop at the next uh, tree or please stop at the next farm. I'll get off. And um, these uh, students from the environmental school, uh, when they asked to be, uh, for the bus to stop at the school, the driver would just pretend he didn't hear them and drive one kilometer further down the road before letting them out. And everybody in the bus thought that was uh, pretty awesome because nobody liked these guys. Um, and um, that uh, is, uh, was maybe funny on board of the bus, but it's not funny when you're walking in rain and wind uh, for a kilometer because everybody hates you. Um, at some point, the, the, one of the teachers or leaders of the school became involved in uh, producing small-scale windmills um, for local farmers. And then one farmer one day put up a windmill and then his neighbor saw that he actually were making uh, money on this uh, electricity or reduction at that point uh, on the electricity bill. And then more and more of these windmills came up. Then nobody thought that these windmills were ugly. Um, and then years later, uh, there was a big uh, wind farm built. And at that one point, uh, a concert is held there. Uh, this guy, I don't know, is, I grew up in the 80s. I don't know if anybody remembers this guy anymore from France, Jean-Michel Jarre. He was like a pioneer in new age electronic uh, music. Uh, I don't think people listen to this anymore, but he was famous for having a laser harp and this kind of thing. And he came to make a concert here close to Bronislau, where I grew up. Uh, which was this huge international concert, a tribute to wind energy. And this is pretty much where my old community peaked. The, everybody thought, this is fantastic. Tens of thousands of people were coming to see this concert. Finally, we are on the world map. Um, and the funny thing about this story, I think, is it, it, the point is that it's not about the technology. It's not about the windmill or the solar farm or whatever. It's about people. It's about the people, how we relate to this technology, how we use it, what it means for us. There's also another point in, in, in time. These kind of mental changes, they require time. They require a lot of patience and persistence. And we don't have enough time now to waste. We don't have time to waste. We need to do the right things the first time. Um, so many of these, um, there's a lot of talk about the, the, the transition. We need to transit from uh, oil and then use gas and then use biomass and so on. We need to go step by step by step. Uh, but maybe we don't have time to do anything else but the radical right solutions the first time. Um, sometimes um, when uh, I was talking yesterday to uh, a colleague from, um, or a friend from, uh, from Denmark who said, oh, what are you doing, community energy? Ah, that's something with a windmill in a village uh, somewhere. Is that, uh, is, is, is that it? But, and I think, uh, that is uh, 
um, that is, yes, it is about small communities getting together to take power of their own uh, energy production, but it's far more than that. Um, for those of you who are not uh, familiar with, uh, with Copenhagen, uh, one of the first things you see when you, um, if you sail into Copenhagen or you fly into Copenhagen is an arc of windmills built just on the, uh, outside the harbor front of, of Copenhagen, some 20 uh, windmills. Uh, they are a part of a, a, a cooperative and, and partly uh, owned by the municipality as an example of how this community energy uh, is not just about small scale, it's also about how we power our big cities. Uh, when this uh, 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 onsh, uh, when this offshore um, wind farm was built, it was uh, the biggest in the world, it's some uh, 20 years back, and uh, it was not uh, built by a group of, of hippies, uh, only. It was built by uh, some 10,000 uh, shareholders, co-op, uh, not shareholders, but members of the cooperative. Uh, so that's one, um, uh, it's actually a great example of uh, what is possible to achieve when the activists, when the grassroots work hand-to-hand together with um, uh, local government. Um, so uh, if we look at uh, community energy's role, the citizen-driven wind farms, solar parks, uh, biogas, etc. Um, in Denmark, it's uh, like that, that um, uh, most of our electricity comes now uh, from the wind, from wind power. Most of the wind power is uh, based, uh, some of the wind power is uh, offshore in the sea, but most of it is uh, on the land. And most of the uh, of these windmills are actually uh, owned by uh, citizens, uh, either individually or in the form of, of co-ops. Um, so it's not a niche phenomenon. It has been a driving force of the slow transition, slow transition from uh, uh, fossil fuels to clean energy in Denmark. In Germany, there's um, a very similar uh, picture. I think it's around 50% of the renewable uh, energy sources in Germany that are, that are owned by, uh, uh, by citizens. Um, but, um, and, and the, for Copenhagen's strategy to become carbon neutral, uh, this kind of uh, mix between uh, citizen initiatives and the municipal uh, renewable energy production is also very important. Uh, but then something happens. Um, there are a few um, um, uh, wind farms uh, in uh, Copenhagen, in the city of Copenhagen, on the shore of the city of Copenhagen, and also uh, in the urban area, but um, in order to scale up, uh, the city has uh, is building uh, or trying to build wind farms um, outside of the city. And for example, we have conflicts uh, in some of the southern islands um, uh, in the in the Baltic Sea, where the city of Copenhagen or the energy company of the city of Copenhagen uh, wants to build uh, windmills. And uh, suddenly 
a big surprise in Copenhagen, the islanders, um, they don't <laughs> feel uh, the least interested in helping Copenhagen become the uh, first uh, climate carbon uh, neutral capital in the world. They don't give, uh, uh, they don't care about this. Um, and why don't they care about it? Why should they care about that? It doesn't have anything to do with them. And that's a, I think that's a very, very important thing when we're talking about both community energy projects and municipal uh, renewable energy projects, that the connection with the base, the connection with the people who need to support it, who need to uh, stand looking at it, who, need, who are the ones who should benefit from this, not just in the sense, in the abstract sense of um, uh, handling the climate emergency, but also benefiting in the form of transforming the society of creating a more solidaric society, creating jobs and growth and, 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 and opportunities. If you lose that connection, uh, then things are not moving forward. And that's very much, uh, this is not just a freaky example, it's very much happening uh, uh, all over Denmark. Uh, local uh, groups organize, get together to fight uh, wind farms, it's happening big scale in Germany, in Norway, in many places. So instead of having the people uh, organizing in, in favor of having their own um, wind farms, we suddenly have them organizing against other people's wind farm. Uh, and actually, um, there is um, also because of the, uh, and this is related to, to uh, policy changes, of course, um, uh, in Denmark um, and also in the European Union, uh, the schemes, the, the, the rules that, that, that makes it possible for grassroots to make uh, energy cooperatives uh, are being changed in a way that even though there's paid lip service, the, the politicians like to talk about how people should get engaged and involved, uh, in reality, it's the doors are being closed for cooperatives and instead open for the big players. Um, in Denmark, we've seen a dramatic uh, um, increase, uh, sorry, uh, a dramatic drop in the number of, um, of uh, wind cooperatives from around 1,000. Now in 10 years, it's dropped to less than 200. I'll not go into the technical uh, details, but I'll just point the finger in the direction of the government and the EU rules who are uh, directly a part of, of, of this problem. But of course, it's dialectic because in the first place, there was no room for energy uh, cooperatives. Uh, now I'm talking about the Danish experience. But the grassroots movement made it possible. They, they pressured the politicians to make it possible. So uh, there is this, um, uh, there is, what is lacking is the political uh, mobilization um, to, to, um, uh, to focus the politics on, on, on this. I'd like to um, not make a conclusion, but uh, stop my, um, this uh, intro uh, in order to open the floor so we can debate um, uh, these issues or, or related issues, I'd like to point at, at three uh, concrete things that I think we have to do now and that we can do now. 
as progressive people, as people who take the climate emergency uh, seriously. The first thing is very, very basic thing um, that uh, surprisingly uh, too many of us don't do. We don't care about a simple thing as our electricity bill. We need to ask questions to the electricity bill. Where does this energy come from? Who made it? How was it made? How can I be part of making the energy that I consume myself in the form of a cooperative, in the form of that my municipality uh, or my village, my community takes control of this um, uh, of this resource. Um, the second thing is, I think we need to uh, radicalize energy politics. We need to have um, to to stop this. There's a mystification. This uh, the new technologies have some kind of a golden glow. Also on the left, for example, in Denmark we have super focus on building huge energy islands in the North Sea on um, high-tech carbon capture and storage project technologies that may work, that may not work, but have the thing in common that they are um, super nice fit into the existing setup of large corporations and companies to create not a different kind of society, but to create exactly the same kind of uh, unequal capitalist society. We have now just low carbon, too late to make a difference. So instead of, of focusing on high-tech, um, uh, sexy uh, solutions, we should focus on the technologies that are proven to work, that are cheap, that you can do in small scale and that you could do in big scale. Um, and the third thing I think that is very, very important and is related to this is that public companies in a country like Denmark plays a huge role. Municipal companies, intra-municipal uh, companies in all the utility sector and especially in energy. These companies are largely totally off the radar in the media and in the public sphere. So um, there's no uh, public, um, there's no way that you can elect uh, these boards uh, of these uh, public companies as a citizen. And we need to do that. There are a few examples of it. And I think they, these few examples where you can actually vote for a representative um, in, in, in uh, municipal companies, they prove that it's possible to politicize these elections and that if you don't do that, then you have politically appointed um, board members who are often have zero clue about uh, what's going on, who have zero interest in it, and who will follow all kinds of other motives in their work, in their strategic work, than serving uh, what is necessary in this climate emergency and what is necessary to serve the people who actually end up paying the bill, that is, the citizens. This is the third event in a series of five online debate meetings addressing the economic crisis relating to the ongoing corona pandemic. 
in cooperation with the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung and the left parties in Germany, Sweden and Denmark, DEO seeks to map out strategies, opportunities and dilemmas for the left. This project is sponsored by the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung, a German political foundation closely linked to Die Linke, the German left party. This podcast was produced by Hakuna Matata Production and was sponsored by Setkin Foundation. Thank you.